Hey there, welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Feldman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. You know, after several years of existence here at Tan and Aquatics, and well into our sort of ongoing mission to throw light on the formerly dark world of blackwater botanical-style aquariums, there are more and more new people still entering the game, and I think that's that's amazing. It's a very exciting time, because we're no longer in that will the doing this kill my fishes mode or the how will this make my tank look mode and we're more into the how can i utilize these materials and ideas to do whatever you know period of time it's time to look deeper at the function of using botanicals in our aquarium and i know we've talked about this a lot but i think it's important and as a as a hobbyist myself i know that i've personally grown in my pursuit of knowledge and sort of improved technique in this area and i'm hardly unique when you think about it hobbyists have sort of been poking at the edges of this stuff for many years. Um, It's only in recent years, though, that we're starting to focus more on the type of aquarium uh, as a means to move the hobby further, however. And I think, you know, in order to make sense of it all, we spend a great deal of time examining the processes which occur when leaves and other botanicals are added to the, you know, to the aquarium. And this is important not only from an aesthetic standpoint, but from a functional and operational standpoint. I know we talked about this a lot, but it definitely differs from our practice in decades past when the idea of throwing you know botanical materials that affect the water quality and the composition was strictly a practice that was reserved for dedicated specialty hobbyists like killifish breeders dwarf cichlid keepers etc who wanted to sort of create special conditions for breeding their fish yeah you won't read about incorporating some of these sort of esoteric applications with this stuff in just any old aquarium blog right so here we are and, of course, podcast-wise as well. Okay, enough of my self-aggrandizement. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. But <laughs> the point is, I, it's been hard to find this information. And I'm glad, thanks to your sharing of ideas, we're starting to see more of it. Nowadays, we're advocating the addition of all these materials to our aquarium as a matter of course for the everyday purpose of replicating natural processes for our fishes. We understand, or are attempting to understand, the impact on both our aquarium's ecology and the husbandry techniques that we use to maintain them. Yeah, it's sort of a different application that's evolving almost daily, really. And it goes without saying that there's significant uh, implications for both the biology and chemistry of aquatic habitats when leaves and other botanical materials enter them. Most of these are things that we as hobbyists observe every day in our aquariums. Some we're pretty certain of, like the color they impart to the water, the measurable differences in pH, if applicable, or the TDS, etc., Others are a bit more esoteric, yet nonetheless important in their implications. So here's something that's interesting. A lab study that I came upon found out that when leaves are saturated in water, biofilm, remember our friend biofilm, biofilm is at its peak when other nutrients, i.e. nitrate, phosphate, etc., tested at their lowest limits. Now this is interesting to me because it seems that in our botanical style blackwater and otherwise aquariums, Biofilms tend to occur early on when one would assume that these compounds are at their highest concentrations, right? And biofilms are essentially the byproduct of bacterial colonization, meaning that there must be a lot of, you know, food for the bacteria at some point if there's a lot of biofilm, right? Hmm, more questions. Does this imply that the biofilms arrive on the scene and peak out really quickly? Uh, An indication that there's actually less nutrient in the water? Or is the nutrient load bound up in the biofilms? You know, the bacteria are real efficient at processing this stuff. Could this be why compounds like nitrate and phosphate always seem to be essentially undetectable in many of our tanks, despite the load of decomposing, you know, botanicals and such that would, you know, lead you to believe that there should be significant concentrations of this stuff detectable? 
And when our fishes and other animals consume them, does this provide a significant source of sustenance for them? Well, we know that it does, right? So there's some nutrition there. Oh, and here's another interesting observation. When leaves fall into streams, field studies have shown that their nitrogen content typically will increase. Now, why is this important? Scientists see this as evidence of microbial colonization, which is correlated by a measured increase in oxygen consumption. This is interesting to me because the rare disasters that we have seen over the years in our tanks, when we do see them, of course, which fortunately isn't very often at all, uh, they're usually caused by a hobbyist adding a really large quantity of leaves to an established aquarium all at once, which results in the fishes gasping at the surface, which could be a sign of oxygen depletion. Makes some sense, right? There's interesting clues about the process of decomposition of leaves when they enter into our aquatic ecosystems. They have you know, implications for our use of botanicals and the way we manage our aquariums. I think that's a simple fact that pH and oxygen tend to go down quickly when leaves are initially submerged in pure water during lab tests gives us some idea as to what to expect. A lot of the initial environmental changes will happen rather rapidly and then stabilize over time, which of course leads me to conclude that the development of sufficient populations of organisms to process the incoming botanical load is a critical part of the establishment of our botanical style aquariums, if not the most. And fungal populations are as important in the process of breaking down leaves and botanical materials in water as are the higher organisms like insects and crustaceans, which function as sort of shredders. So the shredders, the animals which feed on the materials as they fall into streams, process this stuff into what scientists call fine organic, you know, fine particulate organic matter. And that's where the fungi and the other microorganisms make use of the leaves and materials, processing them into ever finer sediments. And our understanding of the external influences on the aquatic environments is important. Alochthonous material, which we've talked about many times before, is not just insects and fruits and stuff. It can also include dissolved organic matter carried into streams and redistributed by water movement. And the process happens surprisingly quickly. Like how quickly? Well, of course, I found some information on that too. In experiments uh, carried out in a tropical rainforest in Venezuela, decomposition, ra- decomposition, what did I say? Decompensation. <laughs> decomposition rates. I get tongue twisted here. It's early in the morning. Sorry. Decomposition rates were really quick, were really quick, really fast, um, with like 50% of leaf mass loss in less than 10 days. That's interesting, but is it tremendously surprising to us as botanical-style aquarium enthusiasts? I mean, we see leaves begin to soften and break down in a matter of a couple of weeks with complete breakdown of a lot of leaves happening typically in a month or so for many types of leaves. And biofilms, fungi, and algae are still found in our aquariums in significant quantities throughout the decomposition process, right? So what does this all mean? What are the implications for aquariums? Well, I think it means that we continue to, you know, we need to continue to foster the biological diversity of animals in our aquariums, embracing life at all levels, you know, from bacteria to fungi to even seeding, you know, our aquariums with crustaceans and worms and ultimately, of course, our fishes. They all form the basis of a closed ecosystem and perhaps even a food web of sorts for our little aquatic microcosms. I know I talk about this incessantly, right? However, it's a really interesting concept. And it's a fascinating field of research for, uh, you know, aquarists of all levels. And we all have the opportunity to participate in this on a most intimate level by simply observing what's happening in our aquariums on any given day. Now, I understand that this is an aggregation of a lot of facts coming from a lot of different directions being, you know, being interpreted for our purposes. However, these are interesting little tidbits of knowledge and they're things that we can utilize to correlate what we observe every day in our aquariums and allow us to make better inferences about, you know, the actual function of them, Right. 
Of course, it all starts with looking at the, you know, compelling natural habitats from where our fishes come from and creating really cool aquariums that we actually enjoy looking at. I get that. However, in addition to the purely visually aesthetic approach, even more amazing, more functionally aesthetic and realistic aquariums can be created by simply looking at what caused these habitats to form in nature and assembling and placing the components you're using based on that. The idea of, you know, simulating uh, fallen tree trunks and logs and branches is as old as the art of aquarium keeping itself. And I know I've even beaten the living shit out of this idea as recently as a couple of days ago for like, I don't know, the 11th or 12th time in this blog and podcast. However, I think that the approach of looking at these features is not just set pieces, but as the foundational cornerstone of a biological and physical habitat gives new context to the practice rather than just, whoa, that piece of, you know, uh, of wood is a great place for my uh, uh, pistos to hide in. Perhaps we could think about stuff like this as, oh, how does it provide foraging or a corralling sort of feature for, you know, leaf litter, soil, roots, detritus, etc. Everything from driftwood to twigs to roots has an important place in simulating the function and look of the aquatic habitats that we all love so much. And I think that's amazing. Simply looking at this stuff from a purely aesthetic you know, standpoint sells it short. There's so much more. And the reality is even when you're looking at things from, you know, when you're constructing your uh, aquarium mainly for the function, the aesthetics emerge and steal the show anyways. I mean, I look at my aquarium that seems to be getting a lot of uh, attention, the one I did for the Tucanos, to connect the Tucanos. I called it the Tucano Tangle. People seem to love this aquarium. It's a tangle of roots and stuff. And the reality is I put it together for um, more for the function of, of simulating that natural habitat for a lot of reasons as opposed to just trying to look cool. And it turned out it looked pretty cool and a lot of people seem to agree. And combinations of all these materials, the roots and you know branches and stuff, configured in all kinds of different ways, can create an interesting functional and aesthetic terrestrial component that can influence the water chemistry and the ecological diversity of our systems, exactly like they do in nature. And I can't stress this often enough, and I know I stress it often, right? But it's really an important unlock in, in aquarium keeping and, and, and aquascaping. As always, the big opportunity here is not only to create realistic, compelling you know, displays, it's to further unlock some of the secrets of nature and study the interactions between land and water. It's about incorporating function into our displays and appreciating the interesting aesthetics which accompany it. Every observation that we make on all sorts of the aspects of these botanical-style aquariums helps move the needle a little bit. You know, with a growing number of hobbyists experimenting with botanical materials in all sorts of aquariums and enjoying improved fish health, spawning, etc., it's getting more and more difficult to call it a novelty or a fad. I mean, nature isn't exactly a fad or trend follower, right? She's been doing this stuff for eons. We're just sort of catching up and beginning to study and contemplate and appreciate what happens when form meets function in the aquarium. And that's pretty exciting, isn't it? I think so. Stay engaged, stay curious, stay dedicated, stay observant, stay open-minded, and always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Feldman. Thanks for spending part of your morning with me. Hope you've enjoyed it, and I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tint.